Well, good morning, church. I will tell you, there is a sweet, sweet spirit of God in this uh, congregation this morning. Amen. Last Sunday, I did a, a lesson called Bodybuilding. And if you remember, we were beginning a conversation last week with this new series that we're going to be doing, talking about how can we work and labor together to, to build up the body of Christ. And this morning, I want to kind of uh, extend that conversation a little bit more and talk more specifically this morning of, of how we can build up the body of Christ so that we can be one, so that we can be one. But before we do, I want to recap uh, last week. Uh, I realize I'm not the best when it comes to the crafts and stuff like that, but this is supposed to represent building blocks, you know, like the kind that you played with when you were a kid. And if you remember last week, I told you that, first of all, if we're going to work together to build up the body, the first thing that we're going to have to do in this crazy, busy culture that you and I live in is that, number one, we've got to decide that the time that we've been given is not our time. It's God's time. And so the real question is, in the time that God has given us, how much of God's time do I use for him and how much of God's time do I use for me? And then secondly, we said that if, if we're going to uh, build up the body of Christ, we need to remember that, that all of us, every single one of us is called to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And so we asked you to labor with us. Take time and rearrange your schedule maybe because I realize in my, my life, my, my, my schedule is very busy and sometimes I have to reprioritize things in order to put God first in my life. And so secondly, we're asking you this morning to labor with us. Find a place where you belong in the church. Listen, if you come to the church every Sunday and right now all you do is worship God, let me praise you for that. Praise God for the fact that you worship the King, okay? But listen to me. That is not all that God wants of you. He wants to have your labor, your service for His kingdom. Not only worship the King, but to labor with the King as well. And then thirdly, we talked about investing in somebody. How important it is to, to find someone that you can take what God has given you and pour yourself into somebody else. One of the things I was thinking about this last week, we've got some marriages in this room who have lasted the test of time, man. And you guys have life lessons and things that you've gone through that younger couples in this congregation need to hear. So one of the things that I would encourage you to do if you're an older couple and you've been married 20, 30, 40, 50 years, find a younger couple that you can mentor somebody that you can help show them the ropes, if you will. Another one we talked about last week is finding a young person. You know, one of the things that I see time and time again, especially with these newer generations, we've got kids coming in, but their parents are not with them. And a lot of times they don't have any daddies at home. They don't have any mamas at home. How important is it for you and me as spiritual fathers and mothers to come in and do what we can to mentor this younger generation? So we talked about investing in somebody other than ourselves. And then the, the, the fourth thing we talked about is this idea of, of having uninhibited worship. I tell you what, a lot of times we, we, we plan, I think, a little too much when it comes to our worship services. We need to have uninhibited worship when it comes to God and when it comes to the Holy Spirit as well. Because sometimes we get in the way. We want the Holy Spirit to have first place in the East Side Church of Christ. Amen? And then lastly, we talked about the B at the top. And we said, we want you to be a part of the church here. Listen, every single person has a gift from God. That's just scriptural. It's what the Bible says. If you've been given the Holy Spirit, you've got a gift, you've got a calling. And what we're wanting you to do here is to find that gift and that calling in the context of the church here at Eastside Church of Christ. 
And if you don't know what your gift is, if you don't know where you fit in, where that niche is, where you can uh, jump in and serve and find something to do, well, let me tell you something. I'm, I'll be more than willing to have that conversation with you. Terry Bowden would be more than willing to have that conversation with you. Any of the elders would be more than willing to help you get plugged in and to, to, to serve the congregation, to serve the Lord's kingdom. Now, today, I want to um, begin. I, I forgot my clicker, Alan. Uh, so I'll just give you a point. Is that good? All right, we'll just do this today. All right, so today I want to talk about this, this idea of a church family, of a church body being one. Let me tell you something. I've been a part of a, a several congregations over the years, and, and I believe that we've got a wonderful church here. And, I, and I'm not pulling your leg. I'm not trying to shake your tree, uh, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I, this is, I, I love this congregation, man. I love this place. You guys are the best people I have ever been ahead of, just the, the blessing of being a part of and serving with. And I'm, I'm thankful for every one of you. How many people do you think we have total in the Eastside Church? 120 or so? Maybe 130? If, if everybody shows up and nobody has a cold, right? If everybody gets here. Um, listen, let me ask you this. What, and I'm, I'm speaking hypothetical here, okay? And I'm speaking more from experience of things I've gone through in the past. And I'm just asking questions that I want, that I want us to ask ourselves. But let me ask this question. What good is 120 people if we're going in 120 different directions? What good, if, 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 what good is 120 people if we're not on the same page, if we're not on the same agenda, if, if we're arguing and fighting with each other, if we're pushing and pulling and turning and saying, we should go this way and we should go that way and, and we should do that ministry, this ministry or ministry, we shouldn't do this or I want to work with that person or I'm not going to work with that person over there. If we're not staying on task and we're not being about the kingdom, and Lane, like you said earlier when we were talking right before uh, the service, if we're not on mission, then what good are we doing? And here's the thing. A lot of times over the years, I've seen churches that have experienced so much dysfunction, constantly fighting, things going on under the surface that everybody just ignores. And those churches, I guarantee you, they do not grow. But listen, a lot of times when those things happen in churches, I've heard churches time and time again say, the problem is Satan. Look what Satan's doing to the church. Look what Satan's doing to our church. And listen, I'm not making fun of you. But I'm going to tell you something from experience. On one hand, yes, Satan is very much involved in wanting to try to split churches and divide up the kingdom of God. But let me tell you something. We humans, because of our sin, sometimes Satan doesn't even get out of his chair. Because we do enough of our own stuff to shoot ourselves in the foot when it comes to churches. Paul, in the Bible, calls it the flesh. I think sometimes when it comes to church, we kind of go in with all kinds of expectations, don't we? We have expectations from our past. We have expectations from uh, the, the, the heritage that we've inherited, from some of the, the, the ceremonial things or from the traditional things that, that we go through. Or sometimes we've got our own personal agenda. We've got things where we think it should go this way, it should go that way. Or we think that person should be in leadership or that person over there should not be in leadership. Or we start looking at churches outside. And I've seen this one time and time again. You know how it is sometimes when you have a, 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 a husband or wife and they're looking, to, looking for, to see if the grass is greener on the other side? You know what I'm saying? Guess what? We do the same thing in churches. We hear about ministries that are going on out there in the community. We, get, you know, we, we watch what they're doing. We see the things that they're doing. We watch the activities they're doing. We get this idea that, that they're doing stuff better. We, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. And we're pulled in so many directions. 
And let me tell you something. You know what I hear the Lord saying? The Lord is saying, wait a minute. It's not about the direction you want to go. It's about the direction that I want to go. It's not about what you want to do. It's about what I gave my son to die for and what I'm bringing about for fulfillment. And by grace, I'm inviting you into that so that you can participate with me to help bring about the redemption of all humanity. A lot of times we like to blame Satan when it comes to these things. But you know, here's what I've learned, guys. I want to share this with you. A lot of the wounds that we experience in our churches are self-inflicted wounds. They're self-inflicted wounds. In fact, there's two big ones that I want to share with you this morning that I've witnessed time and time again in just about every church that I've ever served in. And let me tell you something. If you have one or two or both, if you have either one of these, then they will destroy the building up of the body of Christ. Here's the first one. Thank you, Alan. You're right on target, brother. Here's the first one that I've seen time and time again. The first inflicted wound that we can have is we can hold a grudge. How many people in this room have ever struggled with holding a grudge? Don't raise your hands. So keep the hands down. Look, I, everybody wants to repent today. Hey, right here. <laughs> right? Right here. Uh, you done called yourselves out. That's okay. That's okay. We hold on to grudges, man. Now, let's just be honest here. Does God call us to hold on to grudges? I was reading my Bible yesterday. I was reading in my Bible. You know what Jesus said to his disciples? He said, if a man comes to you and he sins seven times in a day and he repents, you forgive him seven times in a day. You know how much comfort I get from that verse because of my own sins and because how often I have to go to the Father to ask for forgiveness? But here's the thing. God's wanting you to forgive other people the way he forgives you. And, and the thing is, is that I remember one church, I'll tell you about, there was this one congregation, I'm not going to name the name, but I served at this place. There were two families that ran that church, and they hated each other. And when you came into that church, if you were just a visitor for the first couple of days or so, first couple of Sundays, man, it would just seem like any other good old church Christ you've ever been into. But when you join that church... It's almost like the, 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 the two different families, the two different parties would come up to you and, and they would try to, try to bring you into their side. And I tell you what, as a minister, that's kind of crazy because you don't know who to be friends with because you realize real quick that when you try to be friends and try to be godly and try to be what you're supposed to be for one, then you got the entire crew on the other side getting mad thinking you're siding with their agendas and their wants and their wishes, which is what these folks over here don't want. But then if you go to the other side and you try to befriend them, then these folks over here get upset too. Man. And you know what about that church? They're dead today. They don't exist anymore. Now, I would venture to guess that if you've been going to this congregation 10 years, 15 years, 20 years or more, you could probably think of some old memories of things that bother you. There may be some people here who have these thoughts and memories. I can't forget about what brother so-and-so did to me back in 1997 when he said this. Or I can't believe that you did that back in 2000. I can't believe you said that word or I can't believe you did that thing. I can't believe you didn't send me that invitation. 
I can't believe you invited me there. I don't know. Whatever it may be. I'm going to hold on to this grudge. I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to, I'm going to be frustrated and upset at you for, for years, for decades. Church, let me tell you something. If you have that attitude, we can't move forward as a church. The Bible says that we've got to let go of every sin that entangles us to be able to run the race that's set before us. And one of the greatest weights that a church holds on to is when people in the congregation cannot forgive one another, can't stand one another, and can't put things in the past and focus on what's the most important, which is Jesus Christ, and forgiving each other for the sake of the goal and for the mission that he's given us. Look, here's the honest truth. The honest truth is this. The clock is ticking, man. Churches are dying every single day. Doors are closing every single day. And here's the thing. You know, when it comes to church, we have attrition, right? People always, sometimes they leave. Churches have turnover over the years. Sometimes people move away. A lot of times people pass away. Um, Sometimes people get offended at something and they move. And because they move, their friends move too. Listen, I get all of that. But here's the thing that I'm constantly aware of as a preacher. There's a lot that are leaving, but there's almost none that are coming in. Guys, look around you right now. Look around you. Don't look at me. I want you to look around you. How many young people do you see in this room? Not many. And here's the problem, guys. Here's the problem. You really only got one of two two choices. And we as a church only got really one of two choices. Either we're going to be on mission and we're going to be about the things of Jesus Christ and we're going to literally go out and talk to our friends and family or one day we're going to die. And that's really the only two options. Either we're moving forward or we're moving back. Unfortunately, there's no happy middle ground where you get to camp out and chill for a while. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. So the question becomes, what are the things that are getting in the way of us being on mission. And one of the biggest things, and I'm not trying to point out anything that I know in the background. I'm not singling anybody out this morning, but I am saying this. I would venture, I would bet my bottom dollar there's somebody in this room who is holding resentment and anger and frustration at somebody else And I'm going to be honest and just say it. Just like there was sin in the camp in the Old Testament that kept the people of God from moving forward, if there's sin in the camp, it's going to keep the congregation here from moving forward. Secondly, how about this one up here? Here's another self-inflicted wound. When we constantly want to argue all the time about rightness. We argue about rightness. Now let me explain this one a little bit because if if you're not careful, you're going to mishear me, okay? But here's the thing. We, 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 um, have you ever been, of a, been in a church where it seems like they care more about the right way of doing things rather than the right way we should be living our lives? Have you ever seen that? I've seen it time and time again. We have to argue about who's right about this peripheral doctrine or that peripheral doctrine, or we argue about who's right about whatever. You fill in the blank yourself. We argue, we fuss, we fight, we push, we pull back and forth, we fight against each other, we argue about who's right instead of this, acknowledging the fact that God just wants us to be righteous. There's a big difference between being right and being righteous. And sometimes to be righteous, you have to let other people be right. Amen? Sometimes you've got to be humble to be righteous. And so here's an illustration. I remember one time 
it's another congregation. And uh, this congregation had brought, brought me in and they, they said, um, we're dying. We, we want to grow. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this congregation. It was, uh, it was in a little suburb south of Nashville, Tennessee. It was uh, in the 1950s and 60s. It was a, a neighborhood that was predominantly white. It was an upper middle class neighborhood, very white neighborhood. And over the course of the last 30, 40 years, um, by the time that I had gotten there, the demographics of the area had completely changed. So literally, you had this one little old white church in the midst of a community of nothing but African-Americans and Hispanic folks. And so they said, will you come in and, and, and show us maybe what we can do or, or is there things that we can do to try to grow at the congregation? And I said, sure, I'll, I'll do that. I'll, you know, we did feasibility studies one time in Africa and we, you know, I'll come in and do a feasibility study. And let's see. And so I found out these things about the community. And let me tell you about the church. The church only had about 40 people and every single one of them was white-headed. Okay. And what I mean by that, they were all like 65 and above. They had no families, they had no kids, they had no youth group, they had no, no little ones, none of that. No cradle roll, none of that. And so I went back to the church after a few weeks and um, I said, okay, here, here's what I recommend for the church. I recommended two things. I said, number one, I said, you need to have uninhibited worship. I said, because the, every song that they were singing was 250 years old or older, <laughs> okay? And listen, there's nothing wrong with old songs. You hear me? There's nothing wrong with old songs. But you know as well as I do that when you go down the road in the radio and you're jamming to your song, you jam to what makes you want to jam, amen? There is music that speaks your heart language. There's music that speaks your head language. But when you have people in worship, you want people expressing their heart to the Father, Amen? So sometimes that means that you might need to update your worship a little bit because what they were worshiping with in 1792 is what made them go like this. But that may not make you go like this today. Are you on the same page with me? I'm not talking about right and wrong. I'm just talking about style here. Just a little bit about style. And so I said it would be good if you updated the songs and brought in some, some younger songs, some newer songs, because that's the kind of people you're trying to appeal to. Are we on the same page? I said the second thing is if I were you, I would reach out and find people of color who is willing to come into your church and be missionaries to help you reach out to your community. You should have saw the deer in the headlight look on their faces. Their answer, we can't do that. We don't agree with that kind of music. We think it's liberal. And they didn't have to say the other thing, but I knew what they were thinking. They didn't want people who were different than them to be in their congregation. You see, here's the problem, guys. They were more concerned about their rightness than their righteousness. They were concerned about, well, you, you can't interfere with the way we look. You can't change the way that we do things. This is the way that it should be. They were more concerned about rightness than they were about God's righteousness. And can I tell you something else? That church, too, has closed its doors. It's gone. It's not here today. You know, Paul had a lot to say about the church family. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. He was the one that went out on three missionary journeys and, and, and established church after church after church. And he knew he, the same problems that existed back then is the same problems that exist today. When you get a group of people that is as different as we are, it's like putting a whole bunch of cats in a bag and let them, get, let them fight it out, right? 
Because why? Because our flesh gets in the way. Amen? It gets in the way. Now, what does Paul say about this? What are some things that we can do as a church if we're willing to be obedient to be one? I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 3 through 8 this morning. 3 through 8. We're just going to briefly go through this. Alan, I have several slides. We'll just go through them one at a time. Here we go. Verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has given us and distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I love what Paul says here. He says, he says, look, he says, the church is like a body, right? And the body, if you think about all the different parts of your body, the fingers, the ears, the nose, the, the hips, the legs, the feet, the toes, the ankles, I don't know why, but head, shoulders, knees, and toes just came in my head, I guess, because I have five kids, right? Uh, but when you think about the entire body, there, it, it makes no sense. The finger is not more important than the ear, right? Don't you want both? Is there ever a time when you're like, you know what, I really don't need two feet. I, I, I can do well with one. No? You want to have all the parts of your body. You don't want to have any part of your, your body missing. And, and here's the thing. There's not one part of the body that says, well, I'm more special than that one. Every part of the body is special in the body. Well, guess what? So are you. Every one of you. Every one of you. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you've been here one day or 100 years. If you're here, God's brought you here, and you're special, and you are part of this body, and God, through His Holy Spirit, is calling this body, Eastside, to be one for His purposes. So here's three things I want to encourage you this morning that, that we can take from this text. Um, he desires for us to be one, and He gives us different ways that we can be one. So let's look at this first one up here. First of all, He encourages us this way. He encourages us to be one in our minds. One in mind. Be of one mindset, if you will. Go back and look at verse 3. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. That means in your mindset, don't be big and boastful when it comes to other people. Put yourself under somebody else, right? Have a right mindset when it comes to yourself, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. So in other words, he says the first thing that we need to do as a church is we need to, is, is we need to be of one mind. We need to think of ourselves in a, in a humble way. You know, I don't need to think of myself as better than Janine. I'm not. I'm not. That's actually true. I work with her. She's way better. Way, way better. But I don't, I don't need to think of myself as better than Lane or Craig 
I don't need to think of myself as better than anybody here. Neither do you, right? We need to have the right mindset when it comes to living these things. Think of yourself as you ought to. Think of yourself as a servant. Be of one mind. Could you imagine what would happen if the 120 people here at the Eastside Church of Christ decided, you know what? No more. We're going to be one mind. We're going to get on task. We're going to be on mission. And you know what? We're going, to, we're going to do this together. We're going to ask with one voice, with one accord, with one mind, how can I serve someone today? How can I show someone Jesus today? What would happen if we did that? Mm. What if I thought of myself as a servant more than I thought of myself as a king? What if I thought of myself as a little bit lower than the person that's sitting next to me in the pews? And instead of being so wrapped up in my own time, maybe decide that my time is not my time and turn around before you leave and walk out these doors today, find out what's going on in their lives. Be a part of their lives and look for ways that you can minister to the people that literally sit right next to you in your pews. Number two this morning. Secondly, Paul would encourage us to not only be of one mind, but he wants us to be of one purpose. One purpose. He says this in verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, that's the key word, in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. In other words, he's saying this. Not only are you to have one mind, but you also have one purpose. There's different parts of the body. Everybody here has a different function. But we all have one purpose. And that one purpose is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to serve one another as we love ourselves. And to serve the, uh, the world outside of us so we can show them Jesus Christ. Everything that we do as a church needs to revolve around three things. Either to know Jesus, to follow Jesus, or to share Jesus. And that is what our lives need to always be about. Number three, and then finally this morning, Paul would encourage us to be of one mind, to be of one purpose, and to be of one spirit. Look at verse six with me one more time. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy. If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's encouraging, give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's a lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. If you notice over and over and over, Paul says, let them, let them, let them, let them. What's he saying? He's saying, let the spirit run free in the church. Let the gifts come out. Let's serve every single person. Let them be all about the Spirit and letting the Spirit use them in the body. He's saying be of one spirit, one body, one mind, one purpose, one direction to glorify Jesus Christ. Let me say this. If you're visiting with us here, I see a few faces I don't know. You know, back in the old days, preachers used to make them stand up. People don't like that no more. But I'll say this. I like Whataburger. I'm kidding, I'm teasing you. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but listen, if you're visiting with us this morning, I want you to understand something. We want you to be a part of this body. We really do. We believe in the Holy Spirit, so we believe in divine appointments. And so we don't think that you're here by accident. We think that you're here because God's inviting you to be a part of something that God's doing. And so I'm going to ask you, we want you to, to feel free to use whatever spiritual gift that God has given you, whether it's encouraging, whether it's teaching, whether it may be to, to whatever. We just encourage you to be a part of the body here and to help build up this body through the gifts that God has specifically, uniquely gifted you with. 
So, as we close, if we're going to build up the body of Christ, we need to be one mind, we need to be one purpose, and we need to be about one spirit. This is how we do it, guys. But it takes a really big dose of humility. And that one's hard for us. I want to take you to one more passage. I want you to take your Bibles out, turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2. And you'll notice that as you read all the letters of Paul, he says a lot of the same things to a lot of the churches. Why? Because the advice that he gives one is applicable to the other. But I want you to listen to what he says to this church in Philippi because this church in Philippi had a couple ladies that, you know, they didn't get along too well. And Paul knew from his experience that when you've got people that are arguing and fighting and have resentment and things that they can't forgive, that that destroys the body. And so he tells these two ladies to think of themselves in the Lord and to work this stuff out. And then he gets down to Philippians chapter 2 and listen to what he says. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. Now I want to share you a little tidbit from Greek. I learned this a long time ago and, 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 and I don't throw Greek out all the time. I'm not trying to impress anybody, but, but this is important. When the Bible uses this phrase, therefore, if you have, in English, we tend to think that if you say if, that that leaves room that there may not be. Does that make sense? In Greek, it's not that way. If it says if you have this, it means you do. <laughs> and so, therefore, here's how you should respond in terms of that. So, I'm going to read it the way it's intended to be understood. Does that make sense? Listen to this. Here we go. Since you have encouragement from being united with Christ, since you have comfort from His love, since you have common sharing in the Spirit, and since you have tenderness and compassion, since God has given you all these things in Jesus Christ, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, being of the same love, being one in spirit, being one in mind. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain deceit. Rather, in humility, value other people above yourselves, not looking out to your own interests, but to each of you to the interests of others. In other words, church, if you want to, be, if you want to build up the body of Christ, then you've got to submit yourself to Christ. If you want to build up the body of Christ, you've got to submit yourself to Christ. So as we close, I understand this morning that there may be some of you who are struggling to know what place you fit in here. You say, well, I can't preach. I can't sing worth a darn. <laughs> I'm not good at talking. I hate evangelizing because I get scared and I don't know what I can do. Well, listen, don't you walk out this door without having a conversation with one of us, please. We'll help you find a place. There may be some of you that are saying, man, I, I want to be one, but... I'm struggling with my own agendas. I'm struggling with some of that stuff from the past. And Tim, when you said that thing about grudges, you touched on a hot button inside of me. And I feel it. And I realize that you're right, but I don't know how to deal with that. I don't know how to deal with these emotions that I've got on the inside of me that I do not know how to resolve when it comes to that person. If that's the case, then I'd ask you to come talk to me too. And I'll help you pray through that one. There may be some people here this morning that say, you know what? You know what I need? I need, I, need, I need to be of one mind. I need to do this. I need to be of one purpose and one spirit so I can be a body builder instead of a body destroyer. And so as we close this morning, I'm just going to ask you a question. Are you building up the body of Christ? Or are you destroying the body of Christ? Let the Holy Spirit handle that question in you.
as together we stand and sing.